This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Another week of pro wrestling in the books, episode 104, Top Rope Nation, here live on the air. I am Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. I have Kyle Ross and Justin Joint with me. We're going to get you ready for AEW's second ever pay-per-view this weekend, Fighter Fest, coming from Florida. Uh, we're going to talk some WWE Extreme Rules direction that we saw play out on television this week. Uh, but more than that, guys, we're going to talk about this rivalry that's been going on on Twitter and also uh, putting romance and rivalries on WWE television. But before we get to all of that, Justin Joint on the line across town from me here in the great state of Iowa. Justin, how is your week going? Um, pretty good, I guess. <laughs> all things and considered. Not, yeah, not not really a, a whole lot going on. Uh, are you recovered from your, let's see, you had a cold last time I talked to you, I think. Yes, I'm feeling good. Knock on wood. I got family coming in this weekend, so hopefully I can stay healthy for a little while. That'd be nice. Yes. That'd be a nice change of pace. For sure. You've had a rough week, last couple weeks, actually. So. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear you're, you're feeling better. Kyle? Yeah, I, you know, I can't see you, Justin, but, you know, I, I know damn well that you're looking good, too, not just feeling good. Buddy, I got a haircut, and I trimmed the beard today. Oh. Baby face, Justin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we are actually, uh, we're kind of, we're recording this a little earlier than we usually do, so we're recording on Skype this week, um, and so usually we're on uh, Google Hangouts, we can see each other. A little different this week, but uh, recording early, I'm going to mix this. I think I'll probably publish it around the same time um, that we usually put out the podcast, but uh, we're, we're getting it in the getting it in the bag earlier this week. So, yeah. in honor of WWE TV this week, we're just kind of phoning it in too. Yeah. <laughs> now I wouldn't say that. I think this oh, will, yeah. this will be a good broadcast as always. But um, we're gonna go two out of three fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, we've been talking uh, as we record this. So this is Tuesday night. SmackDown just wrapped up. We've talked quite a bit over the last few days. Uh, we recorded 103, episode 103, last Thursday night. And then uh, late Sunday, Kyle and myself did a uh, edition of Top Rope Nation Extra reviewing uh, WWE Stomping Grounds. You can get that show exclusively over on patreon.com slash Nation. Do want to shout out, because this will be our uh, last show for the month of June. If you want to get in on our free t-shirt deal 
and hear that show of Top Rope Nation Extra and all the, the future editions of Top Rope Nation Extra, join our uh, Patreon page for five bucks a month. We'll send you a free T-shirt in the mail. That offer is good until June 30th. Uh, and we have had uh, quite a few signups this month making good use of our bonus t-shirt offer. Um, so I do have to show some love, throw some shout outs here to our latest Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so they joined up exclusively, I think, or just to maybe hear that uh, Top Rope Nation Extra reviewing Stomping Grounds the other night. So uh, We kicked ass and took It was names. a good show. It was a good show. So... Uh, Throw out the uh, shout out to Nyree and Liam. Thanks for the support. Thanks for joining up on the Top Rope Nation Patreon page. So, um, guys, I actually did throw it out earlier on our Patreon page, a discussion with our, our current patrons to uh, nominate a show for the next edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. We did uh, Bash at the Beach 96 for June, so pretty soon we're going to have to record our July Ooh. edition. That's uh, that's another Patreon-exclusive podcast. So there's another motivation for you to, to join up, get the free shirt, get uh, the exclusive editions of Top Rope Nation Classics and Top Rope Nation Extra, where we review all the WWE and AEW uh, current pay-per-views as well. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us that five-star rating. Hit subscribe. It helps us grow our audience. The same thing goes for Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find the whole archive on all of those platforms, topropenation.com as well. So Seth Rollins is uh, in the news because he has picked a Twitter fight with Will Ospreay. Or maybe, well, maybe Will Ospreay. Yeah, Osprey, started. I think, picked the fight. Yeah, yeah but uh, Seth has kind of ramped it up, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I did not have a problem with what he originally said, Seth, and I know why he did it. Mm-hmm. But this thing jumped the shark pretty quickly, and Seth is digging himself a rather large hole. Yeah. So, um, Let's see. I mean, I can go through the timeline if you want. I don't. I don't know how familiar everyone is with what's been going on. Of course, some things might happen after we record this on Tuesday night. But uh, it kind of started out with uh, Seth making a statement on Twitter on Sunday. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. You can't. And then uh, Will Osprey responded with, "I'm alive," and that started the whole thing. Uh, Seth then responded, ah, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here. And he just won his first U S title tonight. Congrats, Ricochet. Keep working hard though, buddy. So, uh, when this first started off guys, I'll go through the other tweets here in a minute. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this? Uh, Justin, let me throw it to you. Cause I know you're a big fan of Seth Rollins. Yeah. I mean, I was fine with it. It's a guy, you know, defending his kind of his job in a way like especially with how down a lot of people are i mean he he's working his you know his tail off kind of like he points out you know every hour of every day he's dedicating himself to this this company and uh i mean even if the product in general isn't very good i mean he is still phenomenal so i don't i don't really blame him and plus i mean any wrestler shit talk you really kind of have to take with a grain of salt yeah true uh kyle yeah i think he was trying to be a locker room leader which like i alluded to earlier i don't fault him for um you know seth is probably one of the more happier folks 
in the WWE locker room right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of Justin alluded to it. A lot of people are shitting on WWE right now. And there obviously was some sort of tipping point in his mind. And he decided to stick up for his locker room. And I have no problem with the t- what he tweeted on Sunday whatsoever. I know um, as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, you know, if this show doesn't over deliver, he's really open to Pandora's box and people are going to throw this in his face. And they did. I think he should have left well enough alone. Um, I think when, you know, and you haven't gotten to the tweet yet. I think when you're starting like with the whole, Oh, let's compare bank accounts. That's just bad. And the stuff he said about Ambrose was not good either. Yeah. So yeah, this jump, the shark rather quickly and there there really are no winners and the thing i hate about this the most the absolute most is this is just another reason for twitter to engage in this stupid tribalism that we see you know where everyone picks a side it just like you know tries to pick the other person to death and defends their guy you know to the end and it's just like why and uh, we'll, we're not going to get any payoff for this, <laughs> at least not in the uh, the near future, obviously, a match between the two. Not no. possible right now. Seth should have just left it all alone. The original tweet, you knew he knew people were going to come back at him. Just, I know it's hard, but just leave it alone. Yeah. So someone kind of uh, went after him about all that. Uh, tweeted at Seth, Seth, I love you, but seriously, dude, dial it down a notch. To which Rollins responded, Nah, dog, let me dial it up. I've sat back and watched idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I dedicate my life to every hour of every day. The level I perform at on constant is untouchable. Time to let them know. And then uh, this is when Osprey, kind of after this, said, Fact of the day, Will Osprey wrestled more matches in 2019 than WWE Rollins. Catch up, little guy. And then he put in the Obama mic drop gif. <laughs> To which Seth responded, I mean, if you want to talk numbers, we can compare bank accounts to PS. That's counting a month off with a broken back, buddy. Thumbs up. Uh, so then after this, do we have anything else? Uh, Wade Keller. Oh, Wade, so, Wade so, Keller. I was going to say, if there were two people that we did not need to join the fray here, it was Wade and Dave. Oh, God. Okay, so Wade Keller says... This isn't a good tone at all if he wants to get people who love good wrestling, regardless of brand, to feel goodwill towards WWE's strengths and its vocal leader. Quote, buddy, quote, little guy, disappointing and character-defining condescension. This is heel Corbin promo content. And Rollins quote tweeted that and said, I don't care about goodwill, Wade. I care about respect. And if some kid who thinks he's got it all figured out wants to step to me, then he's going to get patted on the head and sent on his way. And so will you. <laughs> all right so uh and so and did you see Meltzer what he tweeted at him uh, i haven't Seth? pulled up dave yet no i I, okay. I was gonna mention that uh osprey is now selling a t-shirt <laughs> oh boy <laughs> which makes you think jesus is did osprey do all this just to sell a t-shirt it's this little guy on the front two-time best of the super juniors three-time junior heavyweight champ never open weight champion so uh, uh it's, it's kind of funny when you sit back and look at it but uh no, I, I didn't see what Dave sent, and he has so many tweets that okay. uh, I'm not sure if I'm able to find so, it quick enough. So, in one of the most – so Dave just claimed he was joking, but it was 
one of the most petty things I've seen. So remember when Dave made the comment about Peyton Royce? Mm-hmm. Okay. Seth tweeted at Meltzer, negative six stars, Dave. Mm-hmm. So Dave, apparently, who we've learned is a very spiteful individual today, was obviously sitting on that for however long that's been and tweeted at Seth, a negative six stars, Seth. <laughs> so, like, come on. You guys uh, haven't talked about the best part of the whole thing, Baron Corbin. I was going to say, <sighs> Baron's thing was sort of amusing. Yeah, he came out and said the more important fact, Baron Corbin has wrestled more matches in 2019 than Will Ospreay. And Another then, fact, I don't actually know who you are. I just want to be part of the convo. But then Will Ospreay upped him on that. Did you see that? No wonder Raw sucks. <laughs> Quoted and said, no wonder Raw sucks. Well, it, 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 uh, Corbin's tweet did remind me of that tremendous time. Was it, in, was it in NXT or was it actually on the main roster where he was wrestling Apollo Crews? And he yelled, go back to Ring of Honor to Apollo Crews. And Apollo Crews had never worked Ring of Honor. <laughs> I love that because it just showed that, like, he just has, like, I love that because it showed Corbin as, like, such a disregard for the indies that, like, um, you know, he'll just say Ring of Honor even if you haven't worked there. You know, I, my biggest takeaway of the whole thing is uh, that Will Ospreay is 6'1". I thought he was, like, our height, like, around 5'10", 5'11". Right? When I say our, I mean me and Ryan. Because mm-hmm. uh, I swear when we saw him uh, in New Orleans, he was about our height. Yeah, I thought even maybe a little bit shorter than me when yeah. I walked past him. Yeah. I, I think there, there's a good chance that his height's exaggerated on those stats. Because I'm, I'm about, yeah, I'm about six foot even with shoes on. And I we walked right past him on the floor there. And I'm pretty sure he was a little shorter than me. But yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting time the last few days. Um I kind of wanted to parlay this into a discussion of Seth's most uh, recent storyline because uh, Kyle and I talked about this on the uh, edition of Top Rope Nation Extra on Patreon Sunday night when we were uh, reviewing the pay-per-view because I kind of expressed some doubt about mixing Becky Lynch in with Seth and I on the show I was worrying aloud that uh, Becky's push might stall like she might just kind of get absorbed into Seth's storylines and it might be a negative for her and uh Kyle you didn't agree with me that night I don't know if I didn't agree with you I I don't I won't say I disagreed with you I'll say that I wasn't prepared to be negative on it well you guys can listen to that over on Patreon and and judge for yourself but uh I basically oh here we go we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna debate about the word disagree I thought to me, the it came across as a feel good moment to end the pay per view. Yeah, I just I've I felt like all the interactions with them on TV for the last couple of weeks though have been so forced, and that's kind of what okay. I said on extra. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. But I want to ask both of you a question because this isn't a question I should have asked you on that um, post show, and and I want to throw it to Justin too. Are you opposed to them being linked together on screen? at face value or because of how you fear the execution will go. Like, do you just like, are you just completely like, even if it was done well, would you be opposed to it? Or are, is it just one of those things you're like, WWE is going to WWE this and it's going to be bad. That's my question to both of you. Right? I'll let you go first, Justin. I mean, give me anything that's done well. Um, I have no problems with them trying this out um i I just 
I don't see the end game working out one way or another or, or how they get out of this situation. Um, if you know, they were to break up in real life and it's also leading to a very predictable main event at, uh, extreme rules. Yes, it did. That, that Got is more, another, another WWE match announcement that drew groans from the crowd as they will work <laughs> Baron Corbin and Lacey, which we kind of figured they would, but mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about that Sunday too. Yeah. It doesn't make it better. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty obvious at the end of the pay-per-view that was coming, and then they announced it on Raw, so both titles will be on the line, the Raw women's title and, and the universal title. But, uh, yeah, the fans are not into it. They're not into seeing Baron Corbin in another main event or uh, Lacey in, in that position right now. Also, Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin working the uh, kind of veiled romance thing backstage, that was incredibly awkward. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> not a fan not a fan at all that was like awkward middle school i kind of like you kind of stuff i mean it was it was real bad well even superman has his crib tonight and we both know that that is becky lynch we take care of that nasty and we both become champions then who knows we might be the new power couple of wwe okay well let me throw the question back to you then are you Ryan? Are you opposed to Seth and Becky at face like being linked at face value, or just because you think WWE isn't going to execute it well? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's it's difficult to separate the two, but if I could, I think I'm against it at face value, just because I don't really see kind of what Justin said. I'm not really sure what the end game, like what this could possibly do for Becky's character. Um, I just I don't really see any benefit to her, and uh, like Seth has been established for quite a while. Becky is less than a year into this rise that she has had, and you put her in like a romance. And I just it's just not something I see for her character. I don't really see how she. Can it doesn't. From re- it. Her, I mean, it, it actually kind of doesn't fit her character to be honest. No, with it you. doesn't. Um, you talk awkward for two people that are presumably getting it on. Real awkward from Seth and Becky in the ring, I thought, Monday night. Like, it was kind of cringeworthy, I almost thought. Yes. It's, I don't know if that's the whole, the whole thing is awkward. No, I, I agree. Like, I agree with you. I, don't, I mean, you know, I mean, God bless them. I, you know, I hope they're, you know, having a fun time, you know, at 12 o'clock back at the hotel. But, you know. <laughs> All right. Dial it down a notch for Mr. Ross. <laughs> okay. It's just, I just, I don't know. But that opening segment on Raw wasn't good. So that's why in my notes I said, Ryan Drosty, by God. I'm sorry for ever doubting you. I, I'm kind of with you now. <laughs> because for me, I'm not, to answer my own question now, I'm not against it at face value. But the execution was not good, I thought, on Monday. Um, and as both of you have so eloquently put it, I don't know what the end game is. You know, I, I threw it out there on the post show. Triple H and Stephanie is logical because it's another couple. And it's like. That is so cringeworthy. Well, oh. I'm not saying it's good. I'm yeah. just saying that from WWE's perspective, oh, well, you know, if Seth and Becky are, are the is the crowd's chosen power couple, well, by God, what power couple do they need to go through to get, you know, have that honor? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how they think. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and again, I don't know. I don't personally think that's a great final destination. I think you just, as long as at the end of the summer, it ends with them reenacting the final dance sequence from Dirty Dancing. I think we'll all be happy. <laughs> uh, it would be funny. 
<laughs> be funny. I'm sure someone might be able to put a gif of that together and tweet it to us at Top Rope Nation. Just put their put their heads on the bodies of uh, Patrick Swayze and what was her name? Baby. Yeah. What's I mean? What's the actress's real name? She was on Dancing with the Stars not too long ago. Uh, the chick from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's sister. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's her name. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's sister. Her name is, as I scroll down, oh yeah, Jennifer Grey. Someone out there that's more talented than us at image uh, editing, put uh, Becky Lynch's face on Jennifer Grey's body and, and uh, Seth Rollins on Patrick Swayze as they do the lift at the end of Dirty Dancing. All right. So here's a question I have for you guys. Oh. If they were to do Stephanie and Hunter versus Becky and Seth, would it be a two out of three falls match? <laughs> There's, your segue. There's your segue to our no, next topic. It wouldn't be because that's a pay-per-view match. Yeah. So they wouldn't have to worry about no, it. But I see, I, see where, I see you working here and where you're taking us. Yeah, that's, that's our next uh, topic on the list here on the rundown. So uh, Vince's new edict for television matches. No more commercials in the middle of matches. Although uh, there were on SmackDown tonight because only when they showed matches during the break, when they did the... Yeah. Dual window thing. thing. Picture yeah. and picture, yes. But uh, a lot of two out of three falls matches going on now because of this. Uh, that's, how, yep, that's their way to deal with it, I guess. How do we Wouldn't feel about this? Wouldn't be my choice. Yeah. How, how do we feel about this new uh, Vince rule? Uh, just, you know, the reasoning behind it and how it has played out. Are you a fan or not, Justin? I've always been annoyed by them going to commercials in the middle of a match, especially like the worst of it was in NXT. I remember them going to some weird promo in the middle of a Finn Balor match. I was like, this is pre-recorded. Why are you guys interrupting the middle of a match and the flow of it? Well, especially on their own network when they don't even have yeah. real commercials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes um, no sense. But I guess I always thought saw it as a necessary evil just because, you know, the alternative is you have really short matches or... Or yeah, I don't know. Um, I like them trying to take the matches more seriously by not cutting away. But but if in order to do that, it's a bunch of freaking two out of three falls matches, which I like that stipulation. I, I mean, that just that's dumb. That that's not a good solution. Mm-hmm. Kyle, like nineteen ninety two WCW Saturday Night. That period, there was like in the spring up on the network, I think like the first 10 episodes of the main events, two out of three falls every week. Um, okay. I am not against the edict. I have not necessarily liked the execution so far. Um, I do think it is a problem when you go to these commercials during matches. It takes you out of the match. Um, and I'll be honest with you, too. I'm going to talk about this in a big picture sense. We've all been trained, you know, by, whether it's by the right, Meltzer's writing or whomever, or just, you know, interaction on social media with other wrestling fans, that longer matches are better. I have pushed back on this in 2019 quite a bit. Now, there's plenty of good long matches. There's plenty of good long, you know, there's been plenty of good long matches throughout history. There's probably been good long matches in 2019. But you don't have to go long to be good. And like, so 
I realize there's raw is three hours, so you need to fill it. But dude, these like longer matches that go through commercial breaks aren't memorable. They're kind of boring and they kill the live crowd. Mm-hmm. Guys need to learn to work sprints. I have said this over and over again. Sprints, sprints, sprints. Tell the same instead of 15 minutes, tell the same story in 10. There shouldn't be rest holds in TV matches. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I just I just got I just got to throw poo poo on one thing about that killing the crowd. I would argue that you know having nothing going on during commercials will probably be a crowd killer. Also, yeah, there's a way around it though. What promos? Because the crowd hasn't doesn't get enough of that during a regular Raw or SmackDown. I think you know, and they've actually have done this, and I and I noticed it, and I agree with it that. You know, they're so hell-bent on getting everyone's introduction and their entrance song. You can do that. What did they do? All right, did you guys go to a Raw ever in, like, 98 or 99? Can you remember what they did during the commercial breaks? Because they didn't do wrestling during the breaks, ever. Stuff up on the video screen? Yeah, they might have done that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it hasn't been done before. This is... The way that they were doing it with the matches and the breaks is a new thing. Like, I was getting into an argument with a buddy of mine over text about this today that, that oh, well, you know, you just can't have short matches on TV and then long matches when you get to the pay-per-view. I said, why not? That's literally the way wrestling's worked throughout its history. You know, I, I was texting with our good buddy Liam O'Rourke today, and we were talking um, about something rather random. And... Uh, we were talking about like X-Pac actually in 1998, 1999 and what a great TV worker he was. And that is such a lost art in 2019 being able to have a good TV match. There's a different style you should work on TV, not these pay-per-view light matches that they do. Yeah. I see positives and negatives of both of them. I will say though, I don't really like the idea that you can't ever have a match on raw that goes like longer than 15 minutes. Oh, I agree, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, I hate when people oh, you're saying no more. No, you can do that once in a while. You do need to switch it up, I think, and especially with so many guys that they have on this roster. You know, all these guys that are unhappy. Okay, right? They're not getting on TV. All right, we're giving you eight minutes. Do a sprint right now. Impress us. And if they impress you, okay, there you go. You're going to get a spot next week. If it sucked, guys, that wasn't very good. Yeah, I, I don't think I dislike matches going on during commercials as much as both of you guys do from the sounds of it because this probably isn't a factor as much these days like in the era of dvr but i kind of felt like as a kid it kept me hanging around like when they would go to a commercial because i'd think oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen i'd sit around waiting i don't want to miss anything when they come back from commercial what happened and they also would always hold this kind of suspension over you that like now the match could end during commercial and if it does we'll show you what happens or we'll show you anything that happens now we all know that that's not that never happens so that's the problem so they they need to end matches during commercials once in a while and say this is what you missed during the commercial break i don't you know like to make it seem like it's even possible but um they used to always show and i think maybe they still did this in recent years but when big moves would happen during the commercial that you yes. would miss and i, I always like that too that. to kind of bring both sides together but uh it didn't bother me that much i, j- I just felt like as a younger kid watching like in the 90s that it would kind of keep me hanging around like i think it worked from that perspective that 
when it went to a commercial, you weren't going to flip over to Nitro or something because you wanted to see what happened. You don't want to miss anything when they come back. Yeah, and and that was obviously a much different thing when you had the competing shows. But I just think that, man, they need to make these shows just more high energy. I'm not saying go to Vince Russo Crash TV. Yeah. I'm saying you can do a lot. And with all these guys that aren't happy and not getting on TV, I think to me the solution's there. Give these guys a, for fuck's sake, do a spot fest. Yeah. Give like them a just chance. Pop, you, 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 there is a different way you should work on television than on pay per view. There should be no, there should be no rest holds in TV matches. Okay. Which they always do during the commercials anyway. But I'm like, is that necessary really? Except just to waste time. And there should, like, honestly, unless if there's like a good angle. You shouldn't. There shouldn't be limb work either in a, the majority of TV matches. Do you risk though? I, I think you kind of mentioned this a second ago, but do you risk conditioning your audience to only like the short stuff then, and then you get to those longer pay per view matches and you can't capture their attention? Not like overnight, but over the course of months and years. I mean, it's I, like sex. Sometimes it needs to be short. Sometimes it needs to be longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I don't think like I'm like I I actually do think the average match length in 2019 in all promotions is too long. Paper I will say that right now. Yeah. Well, I people's. Was, it's, I, I think you, you could you could actually do research on this just because people's attention spans are so much shorter now than they used to be because of cell phones and tablets and stuff coming at you all the time on on technology that it is really hard to keep people's attention for like a half hour. Especially for a wrestling match. Yeah, I just think that TV works. Like, there has to be a happy medium between, you know, what we've seen, you know, over the last year or so on Raw. More so Raw than SmackDown, because Raw is three hours, and it's just all those those minutes to fill. And Vince Russo, 1999. There Mm -hmm. has to be a happy medium between those two. Because I'm just telling you right now, I'm not a fan of either, really. Yeah. No, I would agree. Okay, so let's let's just talk about a couple of the bigger moments from TV this week, and then and then we'll move on to the Fighter Fest preview. Do, but, do you not agree that there's a lot of boring TV matches on WWE? Oh yeah. yeah okay, I mean that's so, for sure. So like that needs to be addressed. I mean like I, I don't know that that's just my thing. Yeah. Keep that in mind. But by the way, this week's deep dive of the week not so deep, but it's a great TV match. Well, I mean, it's it's a 19-year-old match. It's, it's pretty deep. We'll get to that. I'll we'll get to that later on. I'll be There's disappointed if people say they haven't seen this or don't love it with all their heart and soul. <laughs> all right. So uh, a couple of big moments. The big thing from Raw that the live crowd love got people talking on uh, the Internet was The Undertaker returning out of nowhere to uh, save Roman Reigns, the man who was the second person to defeat him at WrestleMania and uh, at the time we thought retire him. In fact, The Undertaker comes back to save Roman Reigns from uh, Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. What did you guys think of this? What did you make of this one, Justin? Uh, I, For the most part, I was back on strike uh, this week for professional wrestling. Uh, but I did go back uh, once I heard about what happened, and I watched this segment and uh, also the main event. Um, boy. 
some of the prestige of Undertaker's really been tarnished for me. It got a nice pop from the crowd, but um, honestly, you know, when I was watching it, I was like, man, I really wish he just let his hair go gray and just grew a giant beard. I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's just see old man Taker, you know, like like old man Logan with huge Hackman, you know, just <laughs> just own own the fact that he is not the same Undertaker anymore. Let me let me ask you this, Justin. So. What do you think about the fact that he's saving Roman Reigns despite Roman Reigns being the guy that beat him at WrestleMania? Do you have a problem with that, like from a continuity standpoint? No, because Undertaker's all about respect and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Same question for you, Kyle. And uh, what did you think of it? I actually think they'll mention it. Yeah. I think it'll be addressed somehow on television. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. Is the bullet I, hole I, the fact that you have a middle-aged man with gray hair being pushed as the biggest star on the show for the last few weeks? And I'm not talking about The Undertaker. That, I'm talking about <laughs> Shane McMahon. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, no, that's not the bullet hole I was referring to. The bullet hole is they need to make future stars, not bring back past ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't ever bring back past stars. Because there is value to him, but God, the Undertaker is just—I'm he's just not someone I really want to see. I mean, his dead man, dead man Inc. I think might need some money. Might be what we're seeing here. He might have sent it all to the Trump campaign. Yeah, I don't know, but like, you know, and, and this also minimizes the Miz. I thought, like, Miz should be the guy teaming up with Roman. If they're going to do this tag match. Yeah, because of the Shane connection. From yeah, Bifford. but yeah. like instead, like Miz is kind of like the odd man out. And he got his ass kicked on SmackDown tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might as well. I mean, they could make it a six man, I guess. Put Miz and Elias on the respective sides. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think it's a bandaid over a bullet hole bringing the Undertaker back. And with the Undertaker, what brilliance he had during that renaissance period. You know, like, oh, nine through um you know whenever the streak ended what was that 14 that five week because yeah 14 kept himself off tv he had the one great wrestlemania match every year and that was it was perfect and then all of a sudden those matches weren't so great and like i definitely don't want to see him more frequently now Mm -hmm. um you know reason number 37b we should all be missing john cena i've said this before on the program i've heard this firsthand Taker wanted to work at uh, the WrestleMania we were all at New Orleans. He wanted to do a 20-minute match with Cena. And John Cena's like, no. It'd be dumb. God bless John Cena for being the only person, you know, since 2014 to convince The Undertaker, no, you should not be doing 20-minute matches anymore. Because, I mean, he is on a, you know, whatever the opposite of a role is, that's what Undertaker matches have been. Uh, really dating back to that Reigns match. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was awful. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, maybe turning into a six man wouldn't be such a bad idea. Cause it mean less work for the undertaker between the ropes. Cause uh, we all know what happened against Goldberg. So I think, he'll, I think he'll be uh, having a little better outing here. Cause he'll be surrounded with a little more talent, but uh, by the way, as bad as that match fell apart at the end and boy, did it fall <laughs> apart. It started, it didn't like from, 
a match that's going to have such a horrible reputation. It didn't start out like a disaster. But boy, was it by the end. Yeah. Another thing I was texting with our good friend uh, Liam today. He, he actually brought this up to me. It was a completely unprompted text. He asked me, is Drew McIntyre 1999 Triple H pre-Stephanie? And he did. He texted me that in regards to my comment on the post show that Drew's missing something. And like Triple H before before you know the Stephanie uh, angle, the wedding angle, where it just all of a sudden came together for him. He was a guy who definitely felt like he was missing something in that heel run. You know, he he was the kind of guy they wanted to push, but he was not as over as his push. In 1999. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison because as soon as he said, I was like, my God, you're right. Mm-hmm. So they got Drew with another McMahon trying to make it happen twice. Yeah, I mean, I think that I certainly, again, execution, don't like it. But I see why they paired him to Shane because I think it's a recognition that they too know he's Drew is missing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, other Extreme Rules direction that we got uh, during television. Uh, let's see. Smacked. Well, we talked about the uh, the intergender tag team match with Rollins and Becky. Um, and we talked about Roman and The Undertaker here. Uh, we also had Nikki Cross on SmackDown get uh, her best main roster match to date. Uh, not that there's a lot of them to, to judge by, but her and Bailey had a match on SmackDown. Uh, if Nikki Cross were to win, Alexa Bliss would have another shot at Bailey for the SmackDown women's title at Extreme Rules on July 14th. And uh, on Monday, Bliss wasn't too confident Cross could get it done backstage. But in fact, she got it done. She beat Bailey clean, which I think shows that... Uh, I mean, I know they're doing it to get to the to the Alexa Bailey match again, but it shows they do they do think highly of Nikki Cross to ever get a clean win over Bailey. I mean, there was nothing screwy about it at all. She got the clean no. win it, over it the did. SmackDown Women's Champion. I get where they were going with this to further the Bliss Nikki storyline, but this scenario did Bailey no favors. No, it didn't. But uh, it, <laughs> I mean, because she not only did she lose clean as the champion, we all know how I feel about that trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, she wasn't the only champion to lose clean on this show. But, like, the crowd was cheering Nikki during the match. Yeah, yeah. Bailey has not been getting great crowd reactions for the last several weeks. So, so like, I mean, to me, it's like if you're trying to, like, have ba- Bailey be this, like, great baby face champion for the brand, this wasn't the way I would have, a scenario I would have put her in, quite frankly. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I, th- I think they are. I think we are heading for a heel turn. Or maybe not really even a heel turn, but a character change. I, I think hope I, so. I, she I, has I do, had more of an edge lately. Yeah, I do think this is all very intentional. You know, not that I put a lot of uh, uh, stock into the creative with WWE, but I do think this one is very intentional with what they're doing with Bailey right now. 
Yeah, I think, so we were talking about this over a year ago that we wanted Bailey to turn at the time. You can go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Search our YouTube videos about why Bailey must turn heel, because I actually turned that little section of one of our shows into its own YouTube video at the time. And we lay it all out over a year ago about why uh, Bailey should have turned heel, and it hasn't happened yet. I've been a big proponent of it for a long time. I hope Justin's right, because... uh, it's not working. It's not happening right now, which uh, we, might, we might see the title change at Extreme Rules. We'll see. But uh, that happened. We had uh, your boy Dolph Ziggler. Kyle, what would you think of his promo tonight? Bobby Dude, yelling. <laughs> SmackDown opened up with some of the worst promos I've ever – that Shane McMahon promo where, I mean, he was just so blatantly reading. Yeah. I mean, Shane McMahon, I mean – Say what you will about him. The guy's been on WWE TV for 20 years. <laughs> and, and he looked like he came across like some over-the-hill newscaster that you could just tell was reading whatever they put on the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. That was awful. That may have literally been the worst promo of Shane McMahon's career in terms of delivery. I mean, I know he forgets things sometimes in the ring. and It's kind of like a joke backstage. But, like, Jesus Christ, that was bad. <laughs> Last night, the fear finally consumed Roman Reigns. Here to face his two greatest rivals, myself and Drew McIntyre, in a 2-1-1 match. His back was against the wall. His fate was inevitable. Roman was so afraid of being humiliated again that he became desperate. He couldn't stand on his own two feet, so he called upon the dead. Uh, At least all, you know, okay. It's so funny that people don't want to recognize that Kofi Dolph match at the pay-per-view as the complete bomb it was. Like, I, I guarantee it will not. I'm guessing most of the outlets, when they come up with their star ratings, like in the Observer, I'm very interested to see if people are going to just like, well, you know, it, it could only be so low. Because I, I thought it was like a quarter star match. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I, I, the only thing that was good about it was the finish because it was yeah, which, somewhat creative. Which, by the way, Meltzer claimed exposed cage matches. <laughs> Everyone ever watching an escape rules cage match has had that thought, though. Like, well, what like, are you exposing? Yeah, he's like, well, you, uh, we've been taught that you you have to crawl out the cage. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, Dave's kind of had a bad week. But um, I thought this TV match Kofi and Dolph had. Oh, and by the way, it was um, just, again, I'm objective. Okay. Voices of Wrestling, I kind of criticized one of their tweets on the post show. I'll put one over. Right now that they had, they compared that Kofi Dolph match to uh, the rude Chono stinker at Halloween Havoc 92, a match that went way too long, looked good on paper, and they'd actually had a very good match over in Japan not long before. Uh, But it absolutely sucked. And I I thought that was a really good comparison to compare Kofi and Dolph to that because it was terrible. But this TV match was better, and I'm glad Dolph lost. So it's going to just be Kofi and Joe, a match which not well built to, quite frankly. No, it's uh, I guess it served a purpose, but it was just like more of the same. It just seemed kind of like watching the show was just a placeholder match. You know, Kofi's beat him twice. Here's a third match. If he wins, he gets into the match with Joe and Kofi. Dolph, I'm talking about. If he loses, he's out and he loses again. So Dolph on your way out, maybe for a while, maybe another exodus from the company. I was not interested in this match because I was actually assuming Dolph was going to win. And that scenario angered me so much that I really could not, like, I didn't care about the match. And then, like, I was watching the last couple minutes. I was like, God, he might actually lose. That'd be great. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, why I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we want to mention the Brian thing from SmackDown before we move on? Why the fuck does he job so much? <laughs> we, we talked about this recently as well. So uh, Heavy Machinery got a victory after losing. but uh, Well, no, not only that, this was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, not only did, so uh, Brian and Rowan lost a New Day. Okay. Brian, again, is the one who takes the fall. And then Heavy Machinery comes out, and or Owens and Zayn come out first, and then Heavy Machinery make the save. And so then they do an eight-man. This this was a bizarre way to handle this new TV edict. Okay, well, we just showed you a tag match. Now let's just add more team. You know, all right, the match is over. Now let's just add more teams and have those two of the same teams wrestle again. That was odd. Um, and then, you know, the baby faces won again. I guess, you know, we would have complained it was 50-50 and the heels won, but... Oh boy, and it looks like they're splitting Owen and Zane up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't know. The Dan, why Daniel Bryan is taking all these clean pinfall losses in mid card matches is just beyond me. I mean, this is a promotion. I, I, we're, I'm not even going to go through this because we don't have enough time, probably. But the WWE is so weak on the heel side right now at top. I mean, people are rejecting all of their top heels in the key matches, right? Mm-hmm. You have Daniel fucking Bryan right there. And he's getting pinned, you know, on the pre-show by the Usos, you know, in the opener here on SmackDown, just clean as a sheet. How? I mean, this guy does way too many clean jobs. Yeah. Hard to disagree with you there. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty clear cut. Uh, it's just just a complete waste of it. And we talked about this on the post show Sunday night too. You, know, you have this guy who has come back, who we never thought we'd see wrestle again, and you fast forward a year, and this what this is what they're doing with him. You know, such a waste. I, I just want to go back to the Kofi and Joe thing. Would you guys agree with me that like, okay, so Joe loses the U.S. title on Sunday, and then he just. He comes out and attacks Kofi, and that's going to be the new title match. Okay, I get that that's logical in a sense that from Kofi's character perspective, he was attacked. He wants revenge. But I feel that's just like a very lazy trope WWE uses to book a title match that they haven't built to at all. Oh, we're just going to have this guy randomly come out. We're going to have random heel who hasn't been built up come out and assault babyface champion, and there's your match. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what they really like rarely do anymore that they used to do more or allude to more was that like the secondary singles champions were top contenders for the world title. Like remember back in the day, it was maybe I'm wrong on this, but I always assumed as a kid, like the intercontinental champion was kind of the top contender for the world title. They don't really do that anymore. WCW was more was definitely more like that with the U.S. title. Yeah. They they even had their silly top 10. It depended who the Intercontinental Champion was when you were, I think, back in our youth. Like, there were some times when, um, you know, like when Randy Savage held it, he was, you know, by far the second most over guy in the company. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Warrior with Hogan. But Warrior was, like, another high point. But, you know, there have been other there were other points where, you know, the guy was, you know. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying is it, it doesn't ever it doesn't ever happen. Like, hardly ever. Why, why don't you want to talk about logic? You know, why is the IC champion not calling out the WWE champion ever? Why is I the U.S. champion you. not doing it? Like, that would make more sense to me. But it never, 
never happens. And it's such an easy promo. Like, look, I've got the other top singles title. I want to shot at the big one. They don't do it. So and we talked about consolidating titles, right? A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago on this yeah. program. Imagine if each brand had a champion and then there was the one world champion, the roving champion. Yeah. I mean, you've got what the scenario you just laid out a moment ago would be perfect for that. Hey, you know, like I'm the raw champion. You know, I want the whole enchilada or I'm the SmackDown guy. I want the whole enchilada. Mm-hmm. Hearing. Yeah. But, but the secondary titles are just like, whatever. And you know what else was bad? On, I'll tell you, this was not a great night for promos on SmackDown live, June 25th, 2019. Like that Finn Balor promo, which like, just seems so odd. Oh, you beat Andrade at Super Showdown, and we haven't really brought you up since. So here's an interview. And, you know, Kayla Braxton, bless her soul. I know she's just trying to earn a paycheck. Okay. I'd hold her hand. I'm not going to sit here and run from that. But, <laughs> you know, she's like, what's next for Finn Balor? And then, like, oh, gee, what's next for Finn Balor walks on the screen. Like, that was so corny. <laughs> You know what, though? I, I am looking forward to neither oh, of these guys. Stop. No, 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 no. Stop. Let me get into it. By the way, I love, I love Shins. Somebody tweeted that Shinsuke heard Vince's new edict for TV matches and immediately decided he wanted to work again. Okay, so some of, some of the Shinsuke stuff is certainly his fault, but some of it is they've pretty much blown how they booked him from the beginning. So if, if we're going to give Dean Ambrose credit as being like this great talent who WWE screwed over... You got to give Nakamura some benefit of the doubt here. I mean, this is a guy who has proven I'll, I'll to be one of the further. one of the top workers in the world for the majority of his career. I'll take it a step further and agree with you. I think Shinsuke Nakamura has been booked far worse than Dean Ambrose ever was in the WWE. Oh yeah. So, I thought, like the uh, the irony is, that, okay, the, we all agree that the Lesnar WrestleMania program was terrible, but like overall, I mean, Ambrose did have a pretty solid WWE run. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the the reason I say I'm looking forward to it, though, is because these two haven't worked that much. Um, they had an NXT match back in 2016. It was a four-star match. Uh, they worked New Japan in uh, 2014 at the New Japan Cup, but uh, not not much not much overlap between their two careers with being two huge stars from New Japan. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, and main roster interaction – they were, I think, on opposite sides of that Survivor Series main event. Mm-hmm. The one where, like, Triple H and Strowman survived. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking singles. Singles yeah, yeah. match, well, no, there's I, not much history there. Well, I know. I think they were on opposite sides, and they did have, like, a brief segment against each other in that match. And I remember the crowd getting pretty hot for it, too. Yeah. But I, I can't think of them doing a one-on-one match. Yeah, just that NXT and the, and the New Japan one is all that, that comes to mind for me. Uh, our resident Finn Balor, Mark, Justin, if, if you could pick a feud for Finn Balor, would you go elsewhere, or, or what do you think of this direction? I mean, you're feeding some feeding him somebody who's already dead with the crowd. Like, me personally, I'm okay with it. Uh, if Shinsuke actually, you know, brings his work in boots, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where else you go with him right now. Maybe Just, it'll inspire him. I guess. Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope. I, the, the live crowd did react pretty strongly to it. They did. They, they, there, there was a reaction like, ooh, this would 
be an okay match. At least it's fresh, right? So yeah, I'm see. I'm not as professional as you guys. I was busy watching uh, Triple M Madeline Martha McKenzie uh, really giving an impassioned speech to uh, the parent assembly in Big Little Lies. <laughs> Great show, by the way. Get, getting off track, but Big Little Lies. Check it out on HBO. But uh, yeah, well that that happened tonight. And then the other rumor that we can mention for Extreme Rules Direction. I saw this before the segment aired, but. Um, we've had Alistair Black week after week uh, begging for someone to challenge him on SmackDown. So he he was sent to SmackDown in the Superstar Shakeup. Since that time, he has not worked on SmackDown on television. He worked there before the Shakeup when he had the tag team going. With yeah. But yeah, uh, he hasn't he hasn't worked since he was officially sent to SmackDown. And then tonight in the segment, uh, or I should say earlier this week, as you're listening to this Friday, probably. Uh, someone knocked on his door and the segment ended. The rumor is that's going to be Cesaro. Well, okay, so what happened with that? Like, did he is he still sitting in the room? Like, he was like, <laughs> oh, somebody's knocking. But, like, that, that, okay, I get what they were going for, but it, I thought the whole thing was corny. I thought Black's delivery, by the way, was bad. I mean, real bad. I don't think he's the guy that... Alistair Black should not be cutting promos every week. No, he just doesn't I, mess with this character. What do, we, what do we think of this? Like, kind of reintroduction. Here he was. Him and Ricochet were introduced, and and to be honest with you, over the last couple of years, you could make an argument that that Ricochet Black team was the best introduction of any NXT act. Because mm-hmm. they got over, they were allowed to do their thing. They were put over, and then you know they were. Went their separate ways, which I'm fine with. But, like, Black, it's been this whole reintroduction thing. And, you know, it, it's kind of gone on for a while. And then, you know, somebody knocks on his door, and I don't know if they just gave up knocking. I don't – did he answer? He just seemed happy that the guy – I mean, did, is, is he still sitting in there? <laughs> is there a toilet in the room? They I kept mean, the cameras rolling, and they're going to tell you after the commercial break, which is next week. Yeah, you would have thought that, like – you know, here's an idea is he would have opened the door and there would have been a, like a big brawl. Yeah. That would been a lot cooler than what we got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's the rumors. It's going to be Cesaro, who's a Raw star. So, uh, obviously, the brand split doesn't really exist anymore. So, uh, there's hey, that. Can I, can I ask you guys something? Like, as a podcast, can we just, going forward, we just, I mean, there is no brand split anymore. No. Like, I mean, there is no wild card rule. It's just... They're all together. Well, when yeah, Kofi yeah. Kingston's on Raw, just casually backstage walking out, like, oh, Kofi Kingston's here. And that's the top, supposedly the top star from the other brand, and it's like no big deal anymore. Yeah, I think you could say it's over. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we just don't, I don't think we need to talk about, like, hey, he's coming over from Raw anymore. I mean, it's just, it's dumb. Yeah. It's dead. Yeah, it's dead. So, um, that, I mean, that's kind of our extreme rules direction for right By now. By the way, they had done stuff at the house shows where Alistair Black was like beating Randy Orton quick with Black Mass. Hmm. So it's not like they don't believe in him. And it's like, I just feel like, why aren't they just doing that? Yeah. Like he, the, the way, like his first couple, what weeks or months, uh, months in NXT was great. And that's something that can be replicated. Oh yeah. Without, you know, kind of being intellectually dishonest with your audience that watches NXT. Mm-hmm. Here's just a big, bad MF who just, Kicks people in the dome. Yeah. Is that hard? <laughs> Should not be. There's a lot of people who could take that kick and look up at the lights. Yeah. So, 
All right, so we did have one other topic on our schedule. I think we're going to save that for a couple weeks from now. It's kind of a historical topic. I'll just leave that as a tease because I think I might want to do a whole show surrounding this topic. So we'll come oh. back to that at a later date. Let's do this Fighter Fest uh, preview. I'll talk with you guys off air about that when we finish up here. Uh, we'll do the Fighter Fest know what preview. It is. <laughs> the Fighter Fest preview, and then we'll get to Kyle's deep dive of the week, and that's going to be it for episode 104. So um, Saturday night. Second ever AEW show, Fighter Fest, Daytona Beach, Florida. It's like a gaming festival down there. They're having this show. Um, and it's a pretty solid card, I got to say. I haven't even talked to you about this, Justin. Are you coming over to watch it? I haven't invited you yet, so I'm inviting you right now. Nope, I've got a family coming into town. Oh, man. Shot down yeah. live on the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this show Edit is... Edit it out. This show is free to watch anybody can watch the show on the bleacher report live streaming service all you gotta do is sign up for a free account and you can watch it live it's not it's not a pay-per-view like the last time so uh justin you can watch it on delay but uh let's just go through the matches real briefly we've got moxley making his first AEW uh singles match appearance against joey janela the hero of wrestlemania's gone by wrestlemania weekends gone by uh kyle you had a lot of fun at joey janela's show Oh, my God. That was one of the great times I've ever had. <laughs> so, Moxley, uh, he's worked a couple matches in New Japan now. Obviously, he's the U.S., the IWGP U.S. champion. Unknown if he'll carry the belt at this show. I would say probably not, since uh, he's not being allowed to work at the uh, New Japan show in Dallas in early July. I, I would imagine New Japan then wouldn't allow... A, that's AEW's edict, by the way. Uh, since it's a North American show, they don't want... Uh, Moxley, who's under a contract to them, working the New Japan show in Dallas, so I highly doubt he'll be wearing out the New Japan's U.S. title at the show, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, taking on Janela, like I said, should be a, a pretty good match. From what I'm seeing on my uh, uh, Twitter timelines, people are kind of excited for this one. You guys have any thoughts on this? No? <laughs> oh, I, I was going to let... I'm sorry. Oh. I did not, not being able to see, I, always, I was... Can't tell who's gonna... picking up the microphone. Yeah, it's a little yeah. hard. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting. We're John Moxley is very much a hot commodity right now, so I think um, it's going to be interesting to see him, especially after all that he said. You know, is he going to be able to work this unique? in a, a unique manner that we're not accustomed to seeing, mm-hmm. um, you know, or is it just going to basically be Dean Ambrose with a different name? And I think that's the really interesting thing to evaluate him moving forward. Yeah. Any thoughts, Justin, or your pick for who's going to win here? Uh, Moxley. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's you not going to get beat in his first match. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't think so. Although Kenny Omega, lost his first AEW match, but it wasn't against uh, Joey Janela. No offense, Joey Janela, but... All right, so yeah, I think we'll all agree, John Moxley. Um, Yes. We got a six-man tag. Oh, Joey Janela looks good, too, because he he could be, you know... um, He's a guy who could be something for them. Oh, yeah. For sure. Plus, you got to respect a guy who wears the skiing sunglasses Mm -hmm. as well as he does. Uh, We got the six-man tag, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega... 
taking on the Lucha Bros, and they are bringing in the Triple A World Cruiserweight Champion Laredo mm-hmm. Kid for this match. Uh, this should be that, a that worked awesome out well. match. Yeah, this yeah, should be an awesome, awesome match. As we saw at Double or Nothing, uh, the Bucks beat the Lucha Bros to uh, successfully defend at the time the AAA tag titles, but then they went on to lose them at a AAA show to the Lucha Bros. Um, I think yeah, this is going to be an awesome match. I'm really looking forward to it. Super high on the Lucha Bros right now. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Let me throw it to uh, Justin first this time. I think the elite, I think, uh, Kenny Omega needs to get a win back. Okay. Sir Kyle? Yeah, I'll agree that they're going to win, but, you know, th- this whole scenario, it was supposed to be Pac first, and now you get Laredo Kid. I mean, that worked out well. I mean, given Laredo Kid's, you know, uh, his stock right now on the market after having that match with El Hijo de Vikingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I kind of when I first thought about it, I do think Omega needs to get a win and probably hit his finisher the victory here after double or nothing. Uh, the Lucha Bros, though, I mean, they lost at the last AEW show, so you can make a case for them that you need to see them win a match. AEW's really looking to uh, build up their tag team division, but uh, they're so good, I I don't think it really matters that much. So yeah, I'll go with the Elite too. Maybe they paid Laredo Kid to come in and take the fall. Yeah, there you go. So, all right, this is a good one. Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen. Um, if you've been watching The Wrestlers on uh, Viceland, which is the new show that kind of followed uh, Dark Side of the Ring, have you guys seen any of that yet? A little bit. Yeah, I've seen I've seen just a little bit too, but I saw the episode that really focused in on Darby. Uh, he's a different kind of guy, man. He's, he's very interesting. He's good. And... Uh, He's kind of starred in um, Evolve, and we've had Gabe Sapolsky in the past be super high on Darby. So I think I think this is going to be one. I don't think the general audience probably is too familiar with him. I think the hardcore fans will know him, uh, but the people checking out AEW out of curiosity factor, maybe like the WWE fans, will have no idea who this guy is. This one could surprise some people and be really, really good. Uh, I got to go with Cody, though to get the victory, but uh, also looking forward to this. Another solid match. Uh, Justin? Cody. Sir Ross? You know, like Joey Janela, Darby's a guy who put his body on the line. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, should be fun stuff. And then we've got a four-way match with uh, Hangman Page, looking to be one of the top stars of the promotion. And he needs to win. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc, and MJF. Uh, all of these guys, the promotion's very high on. I mean, we talked a lot. I mean, on the Double or Nothing results show, we really praised MGF. Love and MJF. MJF is, is awesome. And uh, But no, I think Hangman has to, get, has to get the win here, the way they're building him up. So, uh, Justin, agree? Oh, yeah, Paige, 100%. Yeah. And then uh, we go into a triple threat women's match. So we got Yuka Sakazaki, Nyla Rose, and Riho. Uh, and uh, Nyla Rose, obviously being the, the transgender women's wrestler, has gotten them some publicity here. And uh, looking at who's in the match, I mean, I think I might want to go with Nyla Rose here, Kyle. Hmm... Tough call though. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to like, because if I say it doesn't matter, that like feels like I'm undermining the whole deal, and I'm not. Um, 
I guess, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. It's like, just go with whoever you like. Like to me, it's just up to the promotion and I'll trust, I'll put my faith in the promotion, whoever you want to push, you know, cause we know they're going to have a woman's title. Have that person win. You know, Riho was, I mean, she won a double or nothing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think Nyla Rose is probably going to win. She is pictured more prominently on the photo of the match. That's true. Yeah. Right in the center. Dead center. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and we got Christopher Daniels taking on Sema. And uh, Daniels is, you know, he is the uh, kind of the standard bearer, uh, one of the veterans here in the promotion, a guy you should be able to rely on to have a really good match here. And uh, he'll probably have SoCal uncensored at his side in this match, I would imagine. And those guys were in a, uh, a six-man tag back at Double or Nothing. Um, beating SEMA and company, too. Beating yeah. the o- OWE contingent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these guys have wrestled a lot in their earlier days in, in the wrestling business, for sure. And uh, since they are they're pushing the, the OWE connection here with AEW, I think I'm going to go with SEMA here in this match. Kyle? Hmm. Will we then start call? Will we then play the fifty-fifty card on AEW if that happens? Well, I think we all thought heading into Double or Nothing on our preview show that they they put over the Oriental Wrestling Entertainment Group more than they actually did on Double or Nothing. So yeah, that's I mean, that's why that's be, that's the uh, rationale behind my pick. I'll go. Eh, it makes sense what you're saying. I'll agree with you. And he's he's the president of OWE yes, so. and a client. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Joint, you got a pick here or any thoughts? Sema, 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 Sema. All right, so we got two matches on the buy-in, the pre-show, and uh, so we've got best friends versus SoCal Uncensored versus Private Party here. Uh, Kyle, thoughts on this one? I don't know who's going to win. I really don't. I, I mean, I would be, I mean, I don't know who's going to win. Yeah. I'll go with the best friends. Okay. I, I should have, just to lay the groundwork for this one, it's, it's a little convulted here because we had, a. So Tony Khan, it was talking about how they're going to have AEW World Tag Team Champions, and uh, he unveiled the plan yeah. for that. That there's going to be a tournament on the weekly live TNT show later this year, and then they announced this triple threat match, and the winner of the triple threat match gets to advance to a match at All Out in Chicago at the end of August, and the winner of that match will get a first round buy in the tag tournament. So essentially this match is for a match at all out where then that match is for a buy in the tournament to happen in October, November. If you followed all of that. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll probably go with best friends too. I don't, I don't really have any deep thoughts on this one. I, I know, uh, Justin's a big fan of best friends though. Yep. So Colin censored for the win. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice transition and uh let's see then we our last one we've got uh michael nakazawa taking on uh alex jibaley in a hardcore match you guys familiar with who alex jibaley is 
He's a suit for the Fighter Fest gimmick. Yes. He is the uh, the organizer for Community Effort Orlando. And so he is competing in the in the match itself against Nakazawa and um God bless him for yeah. getting payday. <laughs> Obviously Nakazawa for the win. Yes. Yes. So uh Justin, I would assume you would agree. Probably yes. the easiest call. Yes. So this brings us that's that's the end of uh of Fighter Fest, the second show. We'll see how high fans are on on that event when we head into our next episode next week. Uh, yeah, very I, interested to see the buzz, what yeah. kind of buzz it has. I, I am not going to be watching live either. My good buddy is uh we got a birthday celebration due Saturday night. We got to paint that town. And then we're going to be we're going to be behaving like they used to on those Mid-South road trips on Saturday night, baby. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> nice. All right, Kyle, are you ready? It's time, my friend, for the Kyle Ross I Love This Sport deep dive. Take it away. Okay, we talked about TV matches, working a TV style, not just working pay-per-view light. There is an art to working a TV match. So I'm not going very deep with this one. It's a match you've probably seen before. If not, oh, boy, you should fire it up immediately. From Raw, January 2000, the quote-unquote Dallas 10-man. That would be Triple H, X-Pac, Chris Redacted, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn against The Rock, Mick Foley, Rikishi, and Too Cool. This is how you work a television main event. When is it from? January 2000. I don't know. I can't remember the exact date. This is what you do. Again, it's so funny. Again, you okay, you want juxtaposition here? I'll give you juxtaposition. Canadian Stampede, another great 10-man, right? But that's worked in a pay-per-view style. This has worked a television style. If you'd like to watch them both and figure the difference, you know, and just kind of like feel the difference, do it. This is a TV match. I don't – I'm trying to remember if there is a commercial break. If there is, it's like – After the entrances, but I don't think it is because it was like originally they just scheduled it five on one against Foley. The Rock joined him, and then Rikishi and Too Cool ran down for the start of the match. So I'm pretty sure there was no commercial breaks here whatsoever. I think it's one of the best matches in Raw history. I'm gonna have to make a uh, have to make a correction on our resident Rain Man of professional wrestling, Kyle Ross. This was actually on the February seventh, two thousand edition. Of Raw. Oh. Okay. You're a wow, week off February. in January, my friend. Okay. Wow. February seventh. I gotta give you a break though, because uh, you're usually right on with your dates right off it the top. It wasn't the night it wasn't the night after Royal, Royal Rumble. February seventh, two thousand, Reunion what? Arena, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, it's definitely the Dallas Ten Man. Okay, wow. I always thought it was in January for ben- some reason. I thought it was the night after the Royal Rumble. Benoit Malenko, I Saturn, Hunter, and X Pac versus Cactus Jack, yeah. uh Too Cool, The Rock, and Rikishi. Wow, okay. Should have looked it up. It's only a 10-minute match, too. 10 minutes and 9 seconds. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed I love this sport deep dive of the week because it's over now. Kyle screwed the pooch. (laughs) You've lost all your credibility. It's completely done. Makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap this up, guys? Anything for the good of the cause? Anything you want to lay out there for the listeners? I mean, I could. I don't know. Didn't like. Didn't like the promos on SmackDown tonight. Really yeah, didn't. I would agree. All right. God, that Shane McMahon thing was bad. 
It was really bad. And that is not a good, that is not a hot way to start your show. That is for sure. Oh, I was like laughing. I was like, this guy like serious. Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. All right, fellas. Well, Justin, I hope you remain uh, healthy throughout the rest of the week and have plenty of alcohol this weekend to uh, handle the family in town. Uh, Jesus willing. <laughs> Kyle, enjoy your weekend with dedicated Top Rope Nation listener Brian. I uh, think it'll be a good time. Nice. All right, guys. Well, that has been episode 104 of Top Rope Nation. Thanks to our producers, Derek Chappelle, Kyle Ryan, Tim Jensen, Forrest Pierce, Sean Skelton, Gabe C., Carlo Longhan, Nyree Davis, and Liam O'Rourke. Enjoy your weekend. Hit us up on Twitter, at Top Rope Nation. And like I said at the top of the show, if you want to get in on the uh, free t-shirt deal over on Patreon and and hear the uh, bonus shows, Top Rope Nation Extra, Top Rope Nation Classics, and get involved in the discussions on our message board over there. Hit it up at patreon.com slash nation. Five bucks gets you a free shirt, uh, a vinyl die-cut sticker, and all the bonus content. Ends June 30th, so get that in. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at JustinJoint, at TRPKyle, at Ryan Drosty. And we will catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Peace.